you saw me get up and it, when they started singing, that's not usually something you do, you know, when a person's singing. I went back, told the sound booth, scrap the sermon video. <laughs> they said, why? I said, better introduction. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. It's so great to have Tyler singing with his dad. <coughs> Excuse me, today. How awesome and incredible is that? What a wonderful, wonderful song um, it was also. I have seen the light. How amazing and wonderful is that? Hey, listen. Two things. One, if you were here last night, you know, but we had like a full house last night, and um, incredible. And you know, with Christmas morning, you just don't know. And I want to tell you, this is a great crowd. Thank you so much for coming out and worshiping the one who is worthy. And I told Tyler, I said, you know, you need to know something special when Christmas falls on Sunday. And normally, it happens about every six or seven years. Well, because of the way leap year plays out, it's going to be 11 years before this happens again. So we need to worship and celebrate, especially because you won't get this opportunity for 11 years. And I said, Judy, I'll be knocking on the door of 80 when this happens again. And I told Tyler that, and he goes, so anyway, yeah, well, hey, anyway, so today's message is called home for Christmas, and really the main scriptures in Luke chapter 15, we tie up with John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, what a perfect Christmas verse. It was 1943, it was 1943, and Bing Crosby recorded a song entitled, I'll Be Home for Christmas. I think I know the words, but let me read them to you. Um, I'll be home for Christmas, you can count on me, please have snow and mistletoe, and presents under the tree. Uh, Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. And what's so special about that, if you know your history just a little bit, we were smack dab in the middle of World War II. And the song was written for the soldiers who were serving overseas, fighting and defending our country. It really resonated with them. The song, of course, was a huge hit, except for in England. And in England, the English government, the government of Britain, you know, the government of Britain banned the song um, because they just felt it was too sentimental and might demoralize the trips, uh, troops. And we saw the other way um, that it would encourage them and bless them. And indeed, um, it did. So I thought about that, and I thought about the story today that I'm about to tell, and I think it's just really one of the most perfect Christmas stories. And of course, it's about a young man. It's a parable that Jesus told from Luke chapter 15. And um, the story goes that this young man um, was struggling with his father, with restrictions, with, with an older brother, most likely. There was just too much going on. And so there was a war going on in his heart, just like there's a war going on um, in the lives of those people that served in World War II. And so he finally decided he'd leave. He said, he said Father, I want you to give me everything I've got coming to me, and I'm going to leave. And so he did. He uh, packed up and he left. And he went, the Bible says, and calls to a far country, uh, really as far away as he could get from those troubles that he was experiencing, as far away as it was for those troops that were in the Pacific Ocean or in the front there in Germany in France and Europe. 
And so he went, and he had a great time. He, he had lots of money, and because he had lots of money, of course, he had lots of friends. And then something happened. The money ran out. He didn't keep track of his bank balance, and, and the money ran out. And so he had to get a job. And there's a great famine in the land, and no one wanted to hire him. Um, and so he ended up finding a job feeding pigs. And for a young Jewish boy, well, that was just about as low as you could get. And so he's out feeding the pigs, and he's so hungry that he starts and wants to eat the pig food. And then the Bible simply says this. He said he came to his senses. He came to his senses. Now, this was about A.D. 30, somewhere in there. So 30 Christmases had come and gone, I'm sure unrecognized and unknown. Jesus was about 31, maybe two years old when he's telling this story. So his birth had been observed, you know, 31, 32 times. So it's far-fetched, and excuse me for taking the liberty, but he's sitting there one day, he goes, you know what? I would sure like to be home for Christmas. He thought about dad. He thought about how the servants had more to eat than he could imagine at that point in his life. He said, how good would it be to be home for Christmas? And so he packed up the little stuff that he had left and he started heading toward home. Not sure of what he would receive when he got there with the reception he would receive. He wasn't sure, but it was more than he could imagine. And I want to tell you something today. Maybe there's a war going on in your life. Maybe you're at odds with God. Maybe you're at odds with someone else. And there's a war going on. And there's longing in your heart for a healing. There's a longing in your heart for a healing between you and God. The thought of, of God, you know, if he's real and he is, you know, that you could be a child of God, that you could be forgiven, that you would be embraced by this loving God really is too much for you to even dream about. And maybe there's some healing that needs to take place in your heart. And you've wrestled with it and wrestled with it and wrestled with it. But maybe you're dreaming today of a Christmas morning when all that anger and bitterness would finally go away. Well, the young man gets up and starts traveling. And after a while, and it is a far country, after a while, we pick up in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 20. So... He decided he wanted to be home for Christmas, so he returned home to his father. Now, this is so wonderful. The Bible says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And you know what that means? That means that every day, the father would get up and just look. He would look toward the rising of the sun, perhaps, and look for a boy who was finally coming home for Christmas. And can I tell you something? God's looking for you today. God is looking for you today. He longs for the day when you will come home for Christmas. So his father was looking day after day. He hoped his boy would come home. So our teaching point says this. And believe this. No matter how broken. In other words, no matter how much you have messed up your life. 
This applies to Christians and non-Christians. This applies to Jesus followers and not Jesus followers. Maybe you're here and you don't know a whole lot about God or Jesus. I want you to know it applies to you. And if you're here today and you are a Jesus follower, and honestly, you're in church today because it's Christmas and it sounds like a good idea, or mom promised to fix your lunch. Regardless, no matter how broken, no matter how stained, whatever sin you've committed in the past, and you say, there is not a God anywhere who would forgive me. And you base that on the people who refuse to forgive you. You say, there's no way... There's a God who will forgive me. There's no matter how splattered with sin. You know, I was lighting candles before I came up there. I looked down on my leg, and there was a big clump of wax that had splattered on me as I lit the candles and as the wax melted. So no matter how splattered with sin, the Father, your Father, Creator God, the one who said God so loved the world, the one who planned Christmas and Easter that we could become children of God and have our sins forgiven, the Father is watching. And here's the good news. He's waiting for you to come home this Christmas. He's waiting for you to come home. He planned Christmas for that very reason. Well, the second part of verse number 20, 20b, says the Father, as he's looking, is filled with love and compassion. Love and compassion. And that's what I want you to see in God today. Have you ever wondered, you know, when I say God, what comes to your mind? You know, a, a one that's angry, just one who just cannot wait to hurt you, punish you, for all your mess-ups? No. This is a better picture. It is the picture. He was filled with love and compassion. Just like the father you know, of the, in the story is so God. Because that's the way Jesus told the story. That the father represents God. He ran to his son not to hurt him and not to punish him. But he embraced him. And kissed him. Now, you've got to understand something. The, the boy did not clean up. The boy didn't have time to clean up. He still reeked of, of pig dung. He, he reeked of rotten food. He hadn't bathed in days and perhaps weeks. God didn't say, son, go take a shower, and we'll talk about a hug. The father didn't say, son, go clean up, and we'll talk about a kiss. No. He saw him. He ran to him. He embraced him. And he kissed him. And, the, and there were some things that needed to be said. You know, in Luke chapter 15, verse 21, you know the story. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And that was so true. Let's don't undersell that. And let's not undersell our own sin. You know, every, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. My goodness, that's why we needed Christmas and Easter anyway. And so... He says, Father, I want you to know I acknowledge my sin. And that's the first step of coming home for Christmas. God is waiting to love you, and, for, and he does love you. He's waiting to forgive you, but that hinges on your willingness to agree with him about the fact all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what God is waiting, just like that young boy who was at war with God when he left, finally reached a point where he said, I want to come home for Christmas just like he reached that point, what he's saying is, I'm willing, I'm willing to turn from where I am, which is called the pigsty of life, 
and I'm willing to go home, and I'm willing to see my Father. That's what God asks of you today. He wants you to admit that, yes, I know I've sinned. And don't feel bad because everybody has. There's a word for someone who says they haven't sinned. It's called hypocrite. Because we all, amen, we have all sinned. And so, so I've sinned against you and heaven, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. Hey, guess what? It never was about worthiness. It never was. You know, the truth is, you know, he was born to that father, you know, by, by, heaven's, by heaven's draw. So it wasn't about worthiness. You say, well, Dwayne, I could never be worthy of being a Jesus follower. Friend, it's not about worthiness. It's about grace. It's about a father who loves you so much on this Christmas morning that he's waiting and watching to come home. And when you get to him, he runs to you. You walk to him. You're going to find a holy embrace and a holy kiss. That's what you're going to find. I'm not worthy to be called. So, so what would the response be? Well, it's like D.L. Moody said. D.L. Moody said in our quote, you know, grace means undeserved kindness. When the, fa- when the father ran to the boy and, and when the father kissed him and the father hugged him, it means undeserved kindness. The boy didn't deserve it, but remember, it never was about deserving. It is the gift of God to man, to woman, to child, the moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. When we're willing to admit we're broken, God brings the healing. When we're willing to admit we're lost, God will find us. He's just waiting for us to come home for Christmas. And then, did anybody open presents this morning before you came to church? Somebody opened presents last night? Yeah? Well, well, it's Christmas morning. So in verse number 22, you know, his father says to his servants, quick, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for feet. And this is so rich. Imagine it's Christmas morning, you know, you know 2,000 years ago, and, and the boy comes home for Christmas, and the father says, break out the gifts. And the gifts are so wonderful. He said, go and find the finest robe in the house and put it on him. You know, it's, be- it's a beautiful picture. When we come to Jesus and he forgives our sins, we are clothed in his righteousness. And just like the father said, get the finest robe in the house and put it on this boy of mine, it's the robe covering the filth and the brokenness of the life he have lived. And God wants to give you a robe today. It's the robe of Jesus Christ. And in and, and, and 2 Corinthians, you know, Paul writes and says, you know, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, Father, the Father, your Father, your loving Father will clothe you with a robe. Not of your righteousness, not, not of rule keeping that says, now listen, you messed up, but but you need, you know, so you need to know you can only stay, you can only stay if you keep the rules. Nope. That was never mentioned. What was mentioned? Go get the best robe in the house and embrace. And the best robe in the house today is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that God wants to give you this Christmas morning. Then he says, 
Go find a ring. You know the significance of that? It was the father's signet ring. It wasn't just any ring. It was the father's signet ring. And once again, the ring was slipped on the finger of the son. And once again, listen, listen, listen. Once again, the son had the authority to speak for the father. It's a matter of trust. Not only did God give him righteousness, the father gave him a restored trust. I want you, look, I want you to know something. If you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you come with all the authority of God on your life. He doesn't hope you make it and get it right. When you, by faith, come to Jesus Christ, you are endowed with the authority of Almighty God on your life. Yes. And that means He trusts you. You've been broken because you've messed up so much. People said, don't trust you anymore. Perhaps you messed your marriage up and your wife said, I'll never trust you. Or perhaps your parents have messed up and they said, we'll never trust you. Come home to God this Christmas. Come home for Christmas. And you're going to find a father who loves you enough and will restore trust. And then simple shoes. Simple shoes. Not only do you get the robe of righteousness, not only do you get the ring of trust and authority, he gets the shoes of sonship. See, slaves didn't wear shoes. They wore nothing. And when the father gave him that pair of hey dudes that morning, <laughs> then you all got hey dudes for Christmas, I know you did. When you got that pair of hey dudes that morning, He's saying, son, you're family. You're not a servant. You're family. You are my son. And God waits to welcome you into his family. And then he, it's cool because he wasn't done yet. You know, see, the beauty of, of Christmas is not just in the gifts. It's not just in the gifts. Um, I love this. The beauty of Christmas is not in the presence, but in his presence. David Jeremiah said, all the Christmas presents in the world are worth nothing without the presence of Christ. How beautiful is that? So what does the daddy do next? What does the father do next to this boy who's come home for Christmas? It says in verse 23, we want to kill the fatted calf. We've been fattening. We've been fattening up a calf for a big celebration, and this is it. We must celebrate with a feast. Well, well, why, why would we celebrate? Well, every time a sinner comes home, their past is erased. Every time a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, their past is erased. What you got? What's in your past you wish wasn't there? I know a God who has a all-powerful eraser. I love that. Every time a sinner comes home, their past is raised. A new future begins. God not only gives you a new past, which again seems impossible, but he also gives you a new future. Oh, you won't be perfect, but you'll be forgiven. And you will be an experiencer of God's constant grace. And this is from the scriptures And the angels throw a party. God is just waiting to throw a Christmas party on your behalf 
He's just waiting for you to come home. And I got good news. Every one of you, when you trusted Jesus, you've got a party too. We might not know full details of it until we get to heaven, but you got a party too. Well, verse 24. This son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost. This is such a great Christmas verse. This is what God does. We were, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Every one of us were dead in trespasses and sin. And this son of mine was dead, but now he's returned to life. And that's what God does for the person. We were dead in trespasses and sin, and he gives us new life. A life he'll never take away. A life he'll never take away. And now he's found. So the Who's, who's this speaking? The Father, who represents God. And what did God say? He said, we've got to have a feast. He was dead, now he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. Let the party begin. And God is in heaven today saying, oh, I can't wait for the party to begin. And he wants to throw it on your behalf. Isn't that an amazing God? You know, I know we confuse God with church and God with religion, but please don't do that. Religion's about keeping rules way too often. And church can become an issue of pride because we think how good we are that we got up and came to church this morning. But you know what? God is about grace. God is about forgiveness. God is about love. God is about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you find yourself sitting in a far country, you're at war with the world or someone else or maybe God, just know he's waiting for you to come home. Billy Graham said, the very purpose of Christ coming to the world, the very reason of Christ coming to the world, was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. This is the heart of Christmas. The very heart of Christmas is that God loved us and sent his son. My daughter said one time, she said, Daddy, we're taught John 3.16 so well. What happens to John 3.17? Because it's really powerful too. It says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. See, some of y'all think that, and perhaps some on the Facebook think that. Well, oh, God's all about condemning. No, God's all about loving, and God's all about forgiving. He sent His Son to a Roman cross that we could be set free. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved might be forgiven, might spend eternity at home in heaven, where every day is Christmas, where every day is Christmas. So we're going to do things a little bit different this morning. We, we are privileged to be able to observe the Lord's table today, and we're going to combine the, the um, coming of receiving the elements and with the time of decision. And um, 
If today you liked what you heard and you know it's never happened in your life, man, we would love to take time today and share how you can know Jesus Christ as your own Lord and Savior. I'll be standing down front. If you want to come up and chat with me, we've got time. But, but what we're going to do is our team's going to be coming up just a moment. They're going to come up and they're going to sing a song this morning. Um, and we're going to observe the Lord's table. Now, we practice open communion in case you're a guest here. And I've not found a better term. What it means is this, the Lord's Supper is not about Dorsville Baptist Church. It's about God's family. And today, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, we want to invite you to participate in the Lord's Supper with us today. We've got five tables set up, two back there and two right here. And uh, in a moment after I pray, we want to invite you to come to the table, uh, receive your elements, and go back to your seat. Um, and then we'll, we'll receive the Lord's Supper together. You should find them double-cupped. What that means is there are going to be two cups on top of one another. The bottom one will have the bread, top will have the juice, and, and we hope they'll come apart easily, and uh, then you'll be able to take the bread um, and the juice. And if you require a gluten-free um, bread, we have that available here in this middle table and do that. So I'd like to pray for us this morning. Pray a prayer of celebration. Pray a prayer of thanksgiving for what God has done. And then as the team begins to sing, um, you feel free to go up to any tables and get your elements and go back, and then we'll observe the Lord's table together. All right? Let me lead us in prayer. Father, thank you so very much for the story today. Thank you that you invite men, women, and children to come home for Christmas. Thank you that you are waiting for them with open arms, with a kiss on their cheek with forgiveness. And, and you come bearing gifts, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, a restored trust from the moment they trust Jesus. And for shoes that declare, I am not a slave, I am family. Thank you for all of that. And Jesus, may I say thank you when you were preparing to die on that cross for us. You knew we would need something to remind us and help us to remember so you gave us this table. Father, as we, as we partake the bread today, let us remember it represents your broken body because you took the place, our place on the cross. Thank you for that. And then, Father, as we drink the juice, help us to understand it's a new covenant that, that, that it fulfills the law through the blood of Jesus Christ. He did what we could not do. We could never keep the law. And we receive his righteousness. So thank you for the spilt blood, that through the blood we could be forgiven of our sins. Father, if there's someone here who desperately needs to come home, Father, give them the courage to say yes today. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.